we're making it so hard for this to happen. Brothers are starting to have secret marriages, secret arrangements, um, because they know, because you told them, you ever do that, I'm out. You ever do that, I'm not going to let you see your kids. You ever do that, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and you think that you've won? Sis, like I said, let the hate come. But this is not the mindset of the women of Islam. This is not the mindset of the Sahabiyat. It's not the mindset of the wives of the Prophet And the thing is, sisters, we like to use the seerah when it suits us. We want to use the seerah and tell brothers, you should be marrying divorcees. You should be marrying widows. You shouldn't have a problem with marrying sisters who are overweight, sisters who are old, sisters who have kids. You shouldn't marry, you shouldn't worry because the Prophet did it. And it feels good to do that, doesn't it? But what about the other way around? What about if someone said to you, you should be glad if your husband wants to take the responsibility of another woman. You should be offering him to other sisters. You should want for your sister what you want for yourself. You should be welcoming those sisters into your house like those women did. I remember Fayed saying that even the Muslim space is a gynocentric space, which I had never heard before. Um, that's not an idea that I had come across. But do you think it's because Muslim men feel that they can't really talk publicly about these types of men are dealing with and sort of say something that might upset people or get them cancelled? What, what are of your thoughts course, on that? Of course. I remember our, our first episode, Why Believe in Islam. Okay. Oh, or sorry, why believe in God? A lot of people vibe with it. The second episode, why believe in Islam? Why Islam is truth? Okay, a lot of atheists and Islamophobes kind of left, but most people vibe with it. Third one, LGBT, the alphabet people, oh, a lot of people didn't vibe with that one. The fourth one, um, I'm okay with the backlash from episode one, two, and three. The fourth one, which is talking about polygyny, most of the mm. backlash was from Muslim women. Mm. Yes. Right. So we can't spit game about polygamy without getting cancelled, basically. Exactly. <laughs> when Allah made it halal and permissible, we yeah. can't even talk about that. It makes yeah. no sense. Even there's there's different tafsir on, on the on Surah An-Nisa where Allah says, uh, and marry two or three or four, if you can, then marry one, that the default state is supposed to be polygyny. But that's that's a different conversation. Yeah. But just they're acting like it's it's like haram, yeah. a lot of them. And, and we can't even I talk actually, about these issues. I actually have, you know, a different view uh, on on polygyny, polygamy, um, have a couple of observations. Okay. One is that polygyny, oh, I still can't call it polygyny, to be <laughs> honest. That's, that's such an American thing, although I know it's the correct phrase. But if we look at it on a societal level, my, my people are, my mother's people are Zulu, right? Zulus don't have a cap on polygamy. Right. Polygamous families can go up to 20 women if you can afford it. So there's no cap. As long as you can afford to pay the bride price, you get in it. Same. You'll see the king of Swaziland. He's got like 28 wives or something like that. Correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. 
So on a societal level, polygamy or polygyny operates in favor of women and children. A lot of people don't want to hear that. A lot of women, yes, my sisters, you don't want to hear that because you believe in the Hollywood romantic Disney ideal of one man who loves you and only you and that your marriage is based on your feelings of romantic love and that this man will pledge to be true to you forever and you will be happily ever after like in the fairy, fairy stories, right? The reality is that this model of marriage is very new and it's, it's new even in the West because outside of the West, people have always known you don't marry for love. You marry to make a deal. You marry to have a family. You marry to, uh, to create ties of kinship. You marry to protect. You marry for protection. You marry for provision. You marry so that you can have your own family and leave your parents' house. There were many, many, many reasons why traditionally men and women would marry. Nothing to do with love. Nothing to do with romance, very little to do with game and the, the zing at a zing and any of those feelings, right? People got married because that was the thing to do. And you will choose your partner, hoping that you will have the most secure situation possible so you could raise your children in security and be able to see them to adulthood and fulfill your role as an adult in your society, right? So across the world, that is why people got married, not because they were in love with each other and not because they wanted to ride off into the sunset, but because that's what you do. And marriage is a duty. It has responsibilities. It, you know, it's families coming together. It's just way bigger than the zing at a zing. Now, come to where we find ourselves now, having been indoctrinated, myself and you guys included, with the idea that marriage is all about love and how you feel and this romantic ideal of the one man and one woman who are soulmates and the one and the one who's written for you and all of this kind of thing, of course, no woman wants that to be impacted. No woman wants to share her husband. The only reason you say, I don't want to share my husband is because you see him as yours in the first place. But that's a social construct. Am I wrong, guys? Sorry. Am I, am I just talking mm. pure nonsense here? No, no, no. Go ahead. It's a social construct. And the monogamous model, some would argue from a socio socioeconomic point of view that it has its benefits, etc. I don't really want to go into that. But what I will say to my sisters and to us as women, understand, yeah, that your desire to have that man to yourself has been bred into you. Okay, not to say jealousy is not a thing, but if you grew up in a society where polygyny was the norm, like in many parts of the world, northern Nigeria, I know so many wonderful sisters from northern Nigeria who grew up with two mothers or three mothers, that was the norm. You wouldn't even have an idea that I will marry a Muslim man and I'll be the only one, right? But here we are, we're in modern society, we've been bred how we're bred, and that's what we believe. Now, the cultural context in many of, especially in the West, but any modern Muslim society, monogamy is modern, polygamy is backward, right? Yes? Mm -hmm. 
because monogamy is how white people do things. Monogamy mm. is how the West portrays the ideal relationship, right? It's monogamous. Um, and polygamy is backward. Polygamy is like this old patriarchal tradition and all of this kind of thing. And really, we need to evolve past polygamy, etc. But really, what I'm, long story short, what I'm trying to say is when we agree to that model of monogamous marriage being the ideal, what we are effectively doing is we are cutting off all the women and the children that could have been under the protection of that man because that doesn't fit our life goals. That doesn't fit the way that we want to live. It doesn't fit the way we want to run our families. And that's why I say that polygamy actually operates for the benefit of women and children because if one man can safely look after two, three, or four women and have children with two, three, or four women and run his family correctly, is that not better than him only having one wife mm. and having children with that one wife on me, a societal level? Mm-hmm. Not to let mention me, divorcees and single mothers and sisters who can't have kids and sisters who are mm-hmm. older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you a question. I... I get this a lot from sisters and they say, okay, I understand why Allah made polygyny halal and permissible. However, I think it was more relevant back then. More men died in battle, in war. There were more women than men. Times were tough. Society wasn't as, uh, I guess, convenient and safe. Therefore, you know, having more uh, women per man makes sense. And today it's less of the need basis and more of just pleasure or dunya related basis. What would you say to that? Tell that to the sisters who are in their 30s who haven't been able to find the husband of their own. Tell that to the sisters who maybe were in a marriage, it did not work out, and now she's here by herself, full responsibility for two, three, four children with no man in her life. Tell that to those sisters who are lonely. Tell that to those sisters who have no protection, who have no one who will call them up and ask them, are you okay? Nobody to bring groceries, nobody to have a word with the kids. I'm sorry, but unless you've been there, don't talk, yeah? Because the reality for single Muslim women, especially older ones, you know what? This is really interesting because young women in general think they are invincible. I don't need a man. Mm. Those are the ones you hear saying, I don't need no man. Because... I guess you don't. You can safely go from your house to your office, to the club, to wherever you want to go. You don't need a man for that. You pay your own bills. You've got your own car. You've got your own business. You get, I'm, you know, like, I'm cool. Young women talk that talk a lot. Alhamdulillah, for youth, right? You wait <laughs> until that sister is nearing the wall. You wait and listen to how the story changes. If you're trying to tell me, yeah, that there isn't a need today for more responsible, responsible Muslim men to stand up and say, I am going to take on the responsibility of another family. Tell me when you go on the dating apps, how many of those brothers are out there? How many men to women? How many men who are in a position to get married compared to the number of women that are trying to get married? This, unfortunately for us, and this is something that, you know, we've we've been speaking about, unfortunately for us as women, there comes a time in your life when the realities of your situation cannot be ignored anymore. They can't be ignored anymore. You can't finesse your way out of it. If you wanted to have children 
And for whatever reason, you weren't interested before, you know, you were doing your own thing or whatever, and you get to a certain age and it hasn't happened for you. You are facing the possibility of never having children. And believe it or not, for some women, that's a pretty big deal. You know, you're facing, there are sisters out there who are 42-year-old virgins because mm. they never had that opportunity for whatever reason. Are we saying to all these sisters, basically, no, that's you, halas, all the men are taken, and no, we don't want any second wives around here, so skedaddle, or just go and mess with these guys who don't have the skills to be husbands, who, who are not in any way capable of looking after a woman. Yeah, okay, marry one of those ones, one of the rejects, the ones that nobody wanted, and all this time they're still looking for somebody. I'm not expecting people's emotions to change. But what I do know is this, and I'll go on record saying this. There's two things that need to happen for polygyny to start becoming a viable option in our communities. One, brothers need to develop the mindset of, of Qawam, yeah, that's the first thing. The second is first wives need to understand how to play their role. This whole thing of a second wife coming in and there being a competition all of a sudden and now you, you know, you're doubting yourself and you, you know, all this, the emotional stuff that happens with the first and the second. I remember having this conversation with somebody and I said, look, everyone has to play their role, play your part. If you're wife number one, you probably have seniority, you have tenure, you have children with him, you have a history with him, you know him in and out. This second wife can't, she can't step to you. She can't compete with you when it comes to those things. So play to your strengths and don't allow yourself to destroy your family because of this thing. Don't give up everything that you've built over the past 10, 20 years because this thing has happened, which is halal. And if it's done correctly with the right intention, Allah will put barakah in it. Let's not make any mistakes about this. And then the second wife who comes in, who's feeling, you know, insecure because she's comparing herself to the first one. So she's acting out. I say to her the same thing. Sis, play to your strengths. You're the new kid on the block. You don't have the kids with him. It's all new. It's a new adventure. Play to your strengths. Okay. This is what you're here for. You do your part. Number one, wife. And number two, wife, you do your part. And in that way, purify your intentions. Because it's like Anga was saying, you know, like this dunya, subhanAllah, like we as human beings are making this so complicated. We're making it so hard. We're making it. So, and I, sisters, sorry, I know you're going to hate this, right? And I'm so sorry. But I, I, I'm speaking what I truly believe here. We are making it so hard for husbands to take on another responsibility, you know. I, I, I want people to understand this, that. Taking another wife, Islamically, is not the same as him having an affair. It's not the same as him having a side chick. It's not the same as him sleeping around. You need to get that, that model out of your head. My guy has stepped up to take responsibility for another woman. And if she has children, he's stepping up to take responsibility for her. Of course, he should make sure that he's able to step up. But if he is... We're making it so hard for this to happen. Brothers are starting to have secret marriages, secret arrangements, um, because they know, because you told them, you ever do that, I'm out. You ever do that, I'm not going to let you see your kids. You ever do that, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And you think that you've won? Sis, 
like I said, let the hate come. But this is not the mindset of the women of Islam. This is not the mindset of the Sahabiyat. It's not the mindset of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ. And the thing is, sisters, we like to use the seerah when it suits us. Mm. We want to use the seerah and tell brothers, you should be marrying divorcees. You should be marrying widows. You shouldn't have a problem with marrying sisters who are overweight, sisters who are old, sisters who have kids. You shouldn't marry, but you shouldn't worry because the Prophet ﷺ did it. And it feels good to do that, doesn't it? But what about the other way around? What about if someone said to you, you should be glad if your husband wants to take the responsibility of another woman. You should be offering him to other sisters. You should want for your sister what you want for yourself. You should be welcoming those sisters into your house like those women did. Doesn't feel so good then, does it? But that's the reality. This, this dunya is a place of test and examination. It is not a place of fulfillment of desires and feeding the nafs. And what I don't like, what I'm seeing is a culture amongst the Muslims where all we do is talk about nafs, how I feel, how I want, how it feels to me and what I want and me, 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 not realizing that there's a whole context here. There's a whole ummah here and you're part of it. Your children are part of it. And I, I, I'm never speaking, not knowing how many you know, horror stories there are about polygamy. We all have heard them. But I want to ask, I want to challenge every brother or sister who is perpetuating this, this idea within our community that polygamy is damaging, that it creates suicidal, depressed first wives, that it's always, uh, you know, the man taking advantage of a woman who didn't know better, that a woman is, is, is marrying down if she agrees to be a second wife, that she's humiliating herself, all of that stuff. That's our contemporary Muslim cultural narrative. And where does that come from in the deep? This is a this is like a marriage game for polygynous women. I like this. Because <laughs> she said, if you're the first wife, then like Allah is like accept the second wife in with open arms, but play to your strengths. This is this is game for the, the polygynous Muslim women. <laughs> All the brother has to do, I'm sorry I got so heated, yeah. All the brother has to do, do right by your first family. That is the first thing. Make sure you are taking care of that woman. You're taking care of those kids. You're being the best husband you can be to her. Because once you've done that, you can do Many things are open to you and nobody can say anything to you. But if you're not looking after her, if you're not looking after your kids, if you're not, you know, you're not being the man you need to be in your first wife, in your first mm. family, then don't come out here saying, yeah, I need a second one because uh, you already failed in the first test. So yeah. let's, let's, let's keep it a buck. You know what I mean? Yes, subhanAllah. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of this, as you were speaking, mashallah, it, it, it really started to sound more and more and more like an issue of Aqidah. And if you compare and contrast Islam with like liberalism, Islam is very, very community uh, centric. Yeah. It's like com community focused. It's preventative of, of haram and it's uh, focused on the greater good of the entire community. But liberalism is just focused on not even the greater good of the individual, what the individual wants. Now, that's problematic because if every individual wants something different, what the heck's going to happen to society? You know, that's very dangerous. So when you come into life from an Islamic perspective, you come into life from the perspective of 
I want what's best for literally the human race, not just human race, but the earth, the animals, everything. And that is a, a lot more beautiful than I want to fulfill my desires and feel, you know, X, Y, Z. Feel all the good. Time. Very sad. I want to feel and, good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, want to, uh, I want to also give an example. You see this a lot on the news. You know, there's a shooting here. There's a shooting there. There's a stabbing here. There's a terrorist attack there. You hear this so much, you start to think it's happening all the time, everywhere. But it's not. And a lot of the time with bad relationships, the ones with the worst ones tend to have the loudest voices and they speak the most. So the, the woman, true. the woman mm-hmm. with the good polygynous relationships, is not going to come out and say that I'm having a great experience. Because one, they don't, people don't generally like to talk about the great in their life all the That's time, true. especially if it's against the norm. Because yeah. that woman will get flamed. Because women get flamed for just saying, I'm a, I'm a housewife. I'm a stay-at-home mom. They get flamed true. for that. So now imagine yeah. saying, I'm a stay-at-home mom with another stay-at-home mom. That's like, <laughs> it's like open open fire on her. May Allah you know, mm. protect the women. Allahumma. I mean, so it's... As long it's as she sound. doesn't do it on TikTok, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. SubhanAllah. <laughs> 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 uh, so, yeah, SubhanAllah, at, at the end of the day, it seems like these things happen a lot. They're failing a lot. You hear a lot about, you know, people in Abu Dhabi um, having secret uh, nikahs and, and marriages and then forgetting their first wife. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and again, it goes back to Aqidah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, marry two, threes, and fours. If you cannot mm-hmm. be just between them, marry only one. And that's a direct command from Allah. You are haram, it's haram for you to marry someone else if you can't be just. You will be, you're sinful mm-hmm. for that as a man. Now, if yeah. you, and by the way, I want to say, it, polygyny from a non-Islamic perspective is not polygyny. Islam, uh, polygyny from a non-Islamic perspective of just having multiple partners or wives where you're not fulfilling the responsibility, not being just, that is not polygyny. So when we say polygyny, we're not talking about one man, multiple women, khalas, and the deal. No, we're talking about Islam, where you have, as the sister said, rights, responsibilities, authority. And with that authority comes that responsibility and more families, mm-hmm. more people who are being taken care of. And that is a very mm-hmm. beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I like to be summarized it, sister. May Allah bless you for that. I think and there's a just, problem. Some, sorry, sister. Go on. Yeah, I think there's a problem. There's a disconnect with uh, a lot of the sisters out here who are at the wall nearing the wall or have passed the wall and they don't understand like the reality of their situation you know like i, I know this brother i'm gonna just leave it like that i know this brother who this uh he was talking to his sister and him and the sister they were you know hitting it off but the sister has she's basically at her wall where she's passing she's like 30 something she has two kids she's divorced but he was hitting it off with her, and he was more than ready to marry her. But he said that he wanted to have a, a polygynous marriage. He, he wanted to have like multiple wives, and and she said that she she only wanted one. Like she only she wanted to be the only one, and I, I don't think she understood mm-hmm. his uh or her situation in the whole matter. Where it's like yeah. here you had this brother who wanted to marry her. You know, and now she's completely writing him off because she only wants one man to herself. Yeah. You know, I know that we'll get some comments. <laughs> Why should women have to settle? How dare you shame women into accepting polygyny? Who are you to say X, Y, and Z? And I have said this before, and I'm going to say this again. At the end of the day, Brother, sister, you can do whatever you want. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. It literally is a free world. Of course, you have to, you know, answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of it. But 
at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want, but understand that the laws of the world will not change for you. And every choice you make, there is a consequence. And everything that you say yes to or no to, there's a price to pay. So no one will shame you into accepting a polygynous marriage. No one can coerce you into accepting that. But just understand that if you refuse it, there's a price to pay. Just like if you accept it, there's going to be a price to pay. You know what I'm saying? So people nowadays, when you mention what is better in the sight of Allah, what is more virtuous, what is more noble, people say, stop shaming me. Yeah, stop, stop, you know, like it's, you know, basically stop shaming me and, 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 and making me feel bad that I'm not doing things your way. No, no one's trying to make you feel bad. It's just the reality is that in this life, there are choices and there are consequences. So in the example that you gave, Angel, that sister is perfectly within her rights to refuse that brother on the basis that she wants to be the only wife. However, the price that she pays could be that she misses out on a marriage that would have served her very well, mashallah, and may not get another offer like that. If you're prepared for that eventuality, sis, own it. But we don't want you out here on these streets complaining. That's what we don't want. We don't want you out here on these streets complaining, oh, these brothers, this doesn't, no, 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 no. You were, you, someone made you an offer. It was not to your liking. You couldn't see your way clear to accepting the offer. That's the choice you made. If that means, khalas, you're, 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 you don't get married until the end of your life, you have to accept that that was a choice I made. And I made that choice knowing that I may not get another offer like this. But I think maybe many of us, we are not realistic about what's possible for us, right? We're not realistic about what's possible. And maybe we've got a certain amount of fairy tale going on. And we think that the world is full of great men. Just like maybe men think the world is full of great women. I don't know. But what I do know is the older you get, the less select you are, not even about age, really, just the, the less select you are, the, the smaller the pool. So you have to decide for yourself. Am I ready to compromise because I want to be married? Or will I keep my standards and maybe not get married? Whichever one, it's up to you. No one's going to tell you. It's up to you. And like you said in the first podcast, you want something, right? You have this certain ideal, this certain like requirements of what you want. But do you match that? Like, are you worthy of that? You know? Yeah. So if, if the woman has two kids and she wants a man just to herself okay halas like you said beautiful you have the right to do that but are you worthy of that like look into reality like is the reality of that like do you deserve that and like if so why do you deserve that okay that's why then let's see what happens if if that comes into fruition even this whole thing of deserving right does anyone deserve anything, really? Yeah, I was I was gonna say that too, but I had to I had to have no. You, you, in my you, point, you, you got the right one. You got the right word because it is how people think. Yeah. I deserve this. I deserve that. I've done this. I deserve that. And the reality is, I think we can all agree that the minimal that any human being deserves is to be treated with respect. Right? That's like the baseline. 
As for being romantic, being expressive, being emotionally available, being this and all of these other things, oh, that's all nice to have. But the basis we can say everybody deserves respect. Like nobody deserves to be treated unkindly and treated, you know, in a way that is that is that is not acceptable to any human being. But sisters are going to I I, I want to end on this really because I think I've seen enough. TikToks of older women, yeah, complaining about the outcomes that they have earned, really, right? They've made certain choices, and as a result of those choices, they now are living with the outcomes and they're not happy and they are complaining. And I don't want our sisters to end up like that. That's what I, I keep saying is that take the lesson from the people who went before you. These women out here are not happy. These women who are leaving the fathers of their children because they want to find themselves, because they're no longer happy or because they don't feel seen or heard and all of these emotional things, they're not happy because guess what? There is not a long line of eligible suitors waiting to wife you after you've left the father of your children. That's just the reality. Anyway. Yeah, that's perfect advice for the Muslim men as well. Because we will go back to what we were talking about the red pill and all this stuff and the young Muslim brothers, you know, like living in, in a society which is integrated. So they kind of, they make this fault of taking the red pill as the main program and Islam as an add on. Like what you said right there is the perfect advice for, for brothers who say, Oh, well, without the red pill, how am I going to, how am I going to know? How am I going to understand like how a woman is and all these experiences and how she acts. And, Listen, you take, the wisdom and experience from others. You don't have to make those same experiences yourself. And when you go into red pill, that's what you're doing anyways. You, you're taking the wisdom and experiences of others. So why not do that in the frame of Islam? Why not actually talk to other brothers who have been successful through brothers. this, who have had multiple marriages, who, who have been through all these experiences, who have been through all these troubles. It's like from there you can get real guidance. We need the brothers to start speaking more honestly, inshallah. So hopefully we, when you guys come on my podcast, we'll be able to talk about some of these things, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. inshallah. So that was, the, uh, that was the back take. You ready for the, the real podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you so much, guys. That was a really interesting conversation. I'm sorry that I went on. I, I tend to do that. And please uh, forgive me because I said to Fayed last time, yeah. I wanted it to be more of a conversation rather than me just going on. Yeah. Yeah. So usually our best conversations are the ones that are unscripted and unplanned, kind of like this. For yeah. those of you watching that didn't know, we actually didn't plan on this episode. It was something completely different, but Allah, subhanAllah. So with that being said, Rami, do you think? With that being said, Allahumma atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhaab al-nar. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. There's another thing too. It's it's the perseverance aspect too. Like we're more willing to stick through with things that we set out with an intention. It's impossible to have empathy for others if you're not patient. So my love, bless you for that. First of all, I agree with the fact that the whole thing you said about friends, where it's like if, if they're affecting you more than you're affecting them, then you should probably get some new friends. You want to be investing stocks, shares, bonds. You want to be investing in crypto because there's this thing called inflation which means every year that passes by, the value of a dollar goes lower and lower and lower. 
And the reason being is because they're printing more money, right? That's why money is haram. At least the paper money is haram. Provided that you're actually there and you're being a good father and the mother's being a good mother, best conditions. And behind the mic, Hamza, Andreas, Zortzis, we will go in with our final three with brother Angel, inshallah. It's not just a responsibility on you, it's a responsibility on all the children, especially your father. In our private area is very elastic. And yeah, if you go too fast, the skin will literally crease up into like the edge of like the little clipper things, and you will literally clip your skin. You don't want to be on YouTube or the internet or anything that that amount of time, but it's it's the the fact is that's what we're doing.